Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could turn your world upside down. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real crisis or a ripped from the headlines controversy. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. Our suggestions are meant to empower you to handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Joining me today is Brian McClung, new to the crisis files, but no stranger to sticky PR issues. Brian is co-CEO and senior principal at Park Street Public. He brings an extensive background in public relations, politics, and journalism. He's here to dive into the case file, October Surprise. The campaign manager for Ronald Reagan's campaign back in 1980 gets credit for the term October Surprise. But as we find out today, these surprises really date back throughout most of American election history. And we can likely find examples all over the world. A current one hitting the 2022 election cycle, Herschel Walker, who's running for Senate in Georgia. And $700, he reportedly paid a woman to reimburse her for an abortion, even though there are conflicting stories about the purpose of that money. So, Brian, how would you describe the October surprise phenomenon, one that could literally derail a campaign in the final days? Well, thanks uh, for having me first, Rashini. Really appreciate it. And for your listeners, I think it's important to remember and recognize, as you said, these October surprises have been happening back to the beginning of the founding of our country. And sometimes an October surprise is something that is spontaneous, right? It's just a campaign event that happens in that last month or those weeks right before in election day or any big event. So this doesn't just apply to elections, but this is really about how do you handle the unexpected? How do you handle something big that drops itself in your lap, either through the spontaneous activity or through your opponents holding on to some tidbit, a piece of video, a piece of audio, something that they might have back in the old days, maybe a letter that you wrote, and saving that for an opportune moment in the campaign to try to knock you off your game. So that's what we'll talk about on this episode today is those October surprises, some memorable ones from election history over the last decades and centuries. And also, what do you do when that happens? How do you prepare yourself and your team so that if you're on the receiving end of an October surprise, you can find your way to navigate through that? Brian, I want to go back to my younger days and the 1988 election cycle, when Gary Hart, who was running on the Democratic side, was one of many candidates in the primary vying for the Democratic nomination. And lo and behold, a story comes out about his affair with Donna Rice. Now, in current time, an affair is like a blip. But back in the 70s, 80s, it was a big deal. And in that case, it, he pulled out of the race. Well, it was a big deal. And that was one of those cases where it ended up being a self-inflicted wound. So this is a good example of how do you manage or handle this? So Gary Hart, U.S. Senator from Colorado, running for president. And he was kind of known as a, a ladies' man, right? Like and he people was sort handsome of, of this, in that time. Right? He handsome, was, yeah, debonair. He, he had his own style. And so there were these rumors that Senator Hart was having an affair. But what Senator Hart did was he said, 
Will I dare you to follow me? Right? Wow. Like, I, you think I I'm having an affair? Come after me. And so the photographers went, and it was in Miami. He was on a boat. Of course, this is how it is in politics. He's on a boat called the Monkey Business, there with Donna Rice in a swimsuit on his lap. So this is it. The photos are taken. It's the end of his campaign. But he was, you know, so cocky about that, so arrogant as to say, well, you know, you think you've got something on me? Come check it out. And that was clearly not. And they did. And that was not the way to handle that. Now, the way to handle that is not have the affair, Gary Hart, if you want to be running for president. But like you said, also now in this day and age, that seems relatively minor compared to some of the things that uh, more recent politicians have been up to. And that was a time pre most of the social media as we know it today, where it really did need the media to root that out. Yeah. Today, any citizen can catch you doing something bad, can catch you doing something actually innocuous that they'll turn into something bad because of the simple device, your camera phone. Everybody's got a phone now. Everybody's got a camera there. And so everyone is a journalist in that sense. And so it does also lend itself to the idea that all of us have to be more thoughtful, more careful about this. We even have a small October surprise here in Minnesota in the governor's race where Scott Jensen, who's the Republican candidate for governor, was filmed speaking at an event recently. He said that he had heard that in school districts, kids are using litter boxes to go to the bathroom because they're identifying as furries. Now, that is a well-known internet hoax that has been debunked. Nobody can find any instances of schools where that's actually happening. But the reason that becomes a news story and becomes a mainstream news story is somebody films that at the event. They might be a friend or foe, and then it gets out onto the Internet. And so then they had to figure out how to deal with that in the context of their campaign. I think they stumbled at first, right? They didn't really know what to say and had a couple of no-comment news cycles, which are never ideal. Never. Uh, and then eventually kind of, you know, got back into talking about the issues they wanted to talk about. But now it is everybody has that ability to put something out there that could change the course of a race. So some of the issues with the October surprise phenomenon, timing, reaction by both the public as well as the candidate him or herself and the very truth of something. And what you pointed out with Dr. Scott Jensen in Minnesota's gubernatorial 2022 election is they should have checked it out right? Before they even made a comment about it in a public forum. Well, that's right. This is another kind of self-inflicted bad October surprise where I think the candidate thought, well, I'm just talking to a group of supporters. I can just sort of riff and be funny with this and don't really need to worry about whether this is accurate or not. And that doesn't work anymore, right? It doesn't. Wherever you are, you are really in a public setting. And so you can't just kind of play fast and loose with these things. And as we've seen in the October surprises, you know, in the American history, here. That's true as well. And I think, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, you have two types, right? You have the spontaneous, the thing that just happens and you have to deal with it. And then you have the planned, where your opponents are sitting on something and are ready to reveal that. I think one of the most famous, more recent examples of the planned was George W. Bush's DWI in Maine that came to light just days before the 2000 presidential election. And this was something that had happened in the 1970s. And George W. Bush had talked about his struggle struggles with alcohol and and some issues that he had dealt with. But and nobody, even drugs. He and drugs as that. well. Talked about using cocaine. And, and so we knew that he had had kind of a wilder stretch. He was a party boy. You know, in his younger years. But we didn't know about this DWI. But it was clear that Democrats in Maine and in New England had found this. This happened in Maine and were sitting on it and waiting. And that came out just five days before the presidential election. And that's what I want to ask you about as a PR person. Timing is everything, right? 
So these people, in this case his foes, are sitting on that information, waiting for just the right time. What have you seen since that 2000 election? Do campaigns still wait for that right time? Or is there just so much going on that these October surprises happen just because they happen? What I think you see more often are just kind of the drips of tape that they have over time. And so I think the campaigns are looking for moments where they can throw the other side off or knock them off their game or slow down some momentum that your opponent might have by dropping something out there. So we've seen a couple examples of that in the gubernatorial election here in Minnesota this year. One of those was some tape about where Scott Jensen was talking about abortion. And that is really an issue that Republicans in this election year are trying to avoid at all costs. Since that Dobbs ruling back in the summer, we've seen a big movement of independent suburban women to the Democratic Party. And so Republicans have been trying to refocus on inflation and crime and education, other issues that are in a better space for them. And so earlier this fall, you saw kind of a moment where I think some of the folks on the Democratic side here in Minnesota said, this would be a good time to kind of throw our opponent off. And so they released some video that they had uh, where they're talking about abortion. It was true both for Scott Jensen and his running mate, Matt Burke. I think what you're seeing today is not so much where campaigns wait until that last week or two, because it might not be enough time for people to actually hear about that and learn about that, but more about looking for those moments over the course of the campaign where you drop something in to try to impact the flow of what's happening. Right. And so sometimes it's pure luck. Sometimes it's actually a strategy that pays off. Exactly. All right. Let's go back down memory lane with the election that turned out to be the election in 2016 of Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton was on sort of a momentum. It looked like, I don't know, we never know with Donald Trump, but it looked like she could win. And then all of a sudden, FBI Director Comey comes out with... He decides to reopen the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails. And that happened 11 days before and the, the server, election. while right? she was part of the Obama administration. Exactly. And so they had done that investigation earlier in the year and essentially closed it and said, this is it. And then uh, Director Comey comes back and says, well, there's some additional information here. We've decided to reopen it and does that in a public way. Lots of people do think that that was one of those defining moments in what turned out to be a very close presidential election that Donald Trump won. And that was interesting in part because it wasn't even the first October surprise. The earlier October surprise was the Access Hollywood tape where Donald Trump is talking about grabbing women. And Which so, I never thought he would get Like over. After that, I, and you did see even a lot of Republican office holders abandon Trump at that point, put out statements about how terrible this was and that they could no longer support and people withdrawing their endorsement. And I think a lot of observers thought that at that moment in time with that October surprise, that was, of course, Billy Bush, who's the nephew of former President George W. Bush, was a reporter for Access Hollywood on a bus with Donald Trump talking about, you know, I don't know, all the whatever terrible things Donald Trump wanted to talk about. And that really did seem like a moment in time where 
that's it. That's the October surprise. We're done. This guy is cooked. And it ended up, of course, not being the And case. I remember that when various women came out, Republican women, you know, supporting Donald Trump. Some did, right? Some distanced, but then some were trying to say, uh, no, he's been very supportive. He's helped me grow my career, those kinds of things. Well, this is where that line, real life is stranger than fiction, really does come in. It is crazy. And there are lots of different things. Now, as I was introducing you, I talked about this whole Herschel Walker thing going on this year, 2022, in Georgia, Senate campaign. I mean, there have been so many things on social media and regular media that I've just thought, how does Herschel Walker keep on surviving this and this and this? Do you think he will survive this latest Surprise. Right. Of course, you know, the October surprise in that Georgia U.S. Senate race is that Herschel Walker may have paid for an abortion of a former girlfriend. And then really the damning part is Herschel Walker's adult son coming out and talking about some of his father's alleged abuse, etc., and really driving that. That is a race that the Republicans should be winning handily. In this political environment where in Georgia, Biden's approval rating is in the 30s, it's become a purple state, but it still has kind of Republican roots. And more often than not, Republicans have won statewide in Georgia. So if you had kind of a generic Republican candidate, I think that person would be up by six to eight points. This one is going to go down to the wire. The Republican governor, Brian Kemp, is going to be reelected. I mean, he is starting to open up a lead in that race, which has been also with Stacey Abrams, a very close and closely watched race. So you're going to have, I think, a lot of split ticket voters where you are voting for the Republican for governor and potentially for the Democrat for U.S. Senate. That's going to be a very close race and possibly, depending on what happens in Pennsylvania, could be the race that decides control of the U.S. Senate. Which is interesting. And we could have another crisis files on this in the future, Brian. But when someone is a celebrity or has had any part of their life in celebrityhood, which is definitely the case for Herschel Walker, Mm -hmm. it almost doesn't matter what you've done or how you do it. There's just that layer. You're going to get votes because of your persona or your past reputation. So, yes, the Georgia Senate race, U.S. Senate race will be very interesting to watch. We'll be watching that one down to the wire. Let's talk a little bit about solutions. It seems in all these situations with the October surprises, there are certain things you just can't plan for. But the timing of your response as well as your actual response are important. So shed some light on those things. Yeah. So as I, you know, and I was the communications director for the governor's campaign here in 2006. So we went through these exercises regularly thinking about if there is going to be an October surprise. In our case, the October surprise broke against our opponent. So similarly, we had to be prepared to talk about and use to our advantage what they were dealing with. And so I'd say to your listeners, if you're dealing with this kind of situation where something big drops on your lap, where you're running a project, running a campaign, whatever it is, the number one thing is to be prepared to respond quickly. It is ensuring that your voice is heard early and often is so important. Where you see campaigns falter are where they say no comment or where they weren't available to begin with. You have to be able to turn your response right away and be in the first version of that story because that lives on, right? Especially now in the internet era, that whatever's reported first is often the cornerstone that other stories are going to go back to. Even if it's inaccurate. Right. Even if it's wrong. You want to tell your side of the story right away. Number one is that timeliness. Number two is accuracy. 
making sure that your version and what you're going to talk about is right. It's bulletproof. If you have to come back and correct yourself later, you're done. Like you've lost all credibility. You're not going to recover. And does that hurt even more an incumbent over a challenger? I think so. I think that the public gives challengers a little more leeway, right? Incumbent, they're there. They're doing the job. They should know how to handle this and deal with it. So a challenger might have, uh, you know, just a little bit more flexibility in some of those cases or, or the public might be more forgiving. For an incumbent, you've got to have your facts straight and you've got to be able to deliver on that right away. Those are my top two, really. It's that timeliness and that accuracy. And then I would say number three is having surrogates and other third parties that will back up your side of the story, right? So that the public and, you know, your target audiences aren't just hearing it from you, but they're hearing it from other trusted sources and bringing in their voices and making sure that they're ready to go. That requires that front-end legwork to make sure that your team and broader than that are ready to respond and ready to be part of what you're talking about. And that applies whether you're a candidate or a business person or a PTA group that's trying to get something enacted at school. Yeah, these ideas are good for just about any response, but especially when you're in that this kind of heightened uh, high moment, high stakes opportunity. That's what we always used to talk about in political campaigns is you have a performance review coming up. It's called Election Day, and you'll see if you did a good job or not. You will know with certainty if your version of this got across. The other crazy thing as you think about political campaigns is it's about that timing. You have to peak on Election Day. So your version of the story, your message, what you're getting out, really, you you can't peak early, right, and have the other side overtake you. You can't be in a position where you would have peaked, you know, a week late. That doesn't matter. They're done. You have to figure out how is it that on that Tuesday after the first Monday, you are right there in that moment. The campaigns that I've worked on, I lived on Monster Energy drinks and Snickers bars for like the last two months because you're just in it all the time dealing with and trying to be prepared for these kind of situations. And you really needed a detox after that. but it, A lot. Yes, a lot. <laughs> Pretty much the whole next year, I think. So exactly. Thanks to Brian McClung from Park Street Public. Today's Crisis Brief brought to you by Spoke 612 Productions. Number one. A quick response is most important. Respond early and often. No comment is not a strategy. Number two, surrogates that confirm and affirm your side of the story are key. Number three, accuracy matters. Your version has to be bulletproof. Spoke 612 Productions takes your ideas and brings them to life. Linda, Sarah, and Matt are committed to excellence and inclusivity. As a WeBank certified women-owned production company, Spoke 612 inspires awareness and delivers impact through storytelling. When you put your project in their hands, Spoke 612 draws on their own talents and experience to ensure they tell the best possible version of your story. Visit their portfolio at Spoke612.com. Thank you to my podcast co-producers, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music and Kim Inslee. Want us to weigh in on your crisis? Email me, Rashini at RashiniGroup.com. That's R-O-S-H-I-N-I at RashiniGroup.com. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files. Crisis Files.